0: Warmth is the vital element for the growing plant and for the soul of the child, Carl Jung. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm here today with Kayla from Montreal. Hi Kayla. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How's, uh, what's the weather like in Montreal this time of year?
1: It's a little bit cold, I must say, but I mean, I'm used to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think the person I had last um, podcast was from Florida, so they would probably agree with you that it's a little cold. Yeah. What, like, what temperature? I think it's about, like, it actually goes up to about 11 here in the
1: day, so... No, we're in like the minus, minus 10 Uh, right now, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: For those of you, the United States of America, the only country in the world that doesn't use Celsius, (laughs) Um, uh, zero is freezing. So um, in Celsius, so below zero is just, you know unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So let's start off by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your emetophobia, how it affects your life.
1: Oh boy. Okay. Well, I am 20 years old, turning 21 this month. Um, and my emetophobia has affected me pretty much ever since I can remember. I think it started when I was about 10 years old. Okay. Um, so I got sick when I was 10 and I believe it was from eating something expired ah. because I overheard my parents talking about, oh, I think she had eaten this, that was expired, etc. cetera. And then ever since then I became obsessed with checking food expiry dates. Right. And that sort yeah. of kind of snowballed into like an obsessive compulsive disorder type of thing. Mm -hmm. So rechecking food labels. I would not even eat anything if it was within the month of it being expired. A month yeah
0: so no milk obviously
1: (laughs) milk was a big trigger for me yeah because that's only like 14 um, days or something and I would just do obsessive compulsive things like uh, Mm -hmm. switching off lights touching the doors Mm -hmm. and this was at like 10 to 15 years old so to be honest I don't I wasn't sure what I was doing Mm -hmm. I didn't know I didn't realize that I had OCD tendencies. I didn't know why I was doing these things. I wasn't self-aware right. whatsoever.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you were a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And so what, how did, do you think it started when you, you were around 10? Like you don't remember being afraid before that time?
1: It had to be at that age because before then I I don't remember being afraid of vomit or being sick, anything of the sort.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did, were, were there things that you were avoiding like school or anything like that? Or were you just white knuckling it through a bunch of stuff?
1: At, you know what? It's weird because at that age when my phobia first started, I didn't even realize I had a phobia until I was about, I want to say 16 was when I actually became self-aware. Okay which is crazy so, to me. I really just thought I had o c d tendencies mm-hmm, mm-hmm and yeah,
0: yeah, and what you're describing is actually bona fide o c d not mm-hmm. just tendencies, yeah <laughs> um uh, and there are subsets of o c d and checking is one of them, checking lights um checking sometimes taps are on or off, doors are locked. Um, w- with you checking dates on things, you know, obsessively and and rechecking, right? So rechecking. Even if you check, yeah. Even if you checked, then you check again. Um, and I- I've said this on many podcasts, but it's always worth repeating that I have never met a person with emetophobia that did not also meet all of the criteria for OCD. And the current researchers believe that they are somehow intricately related and perhaps even emetophobia is a subset of OCD is just on its own. But I mean, they're both anxiety disorders, right? You get very anxious if you don't check, Yeah. And checking calms you down. So that's why. Yeah. Um, And and sometimes I used to think that people were just misdiagnosed with OCD because they wash their hands all the time. And therapists thought, oh, you've got OCD. But no, it's (laughs) actually true. I remember um, doing OCD things when I was about five years old. Wow. Uh, Turning lights on and off was one of them.
1: That was and a I big had to, one for me.
0: Yeah, a number of times, and had to be the exact number. And yes, touch—if I ever t- one of my fingers touched anything, I had to make sure all ten fingers touched. Um, and so, yeah, but I mean, I think now I would probably say I may have tendencies. Like if I get anxious about something, nothing to do with vomiting. Just you know. <laughs> whatever getting like uptight about something I'll start to like arrange things really neatly or obsessively clean the house or something. Um so yeah it it's related definitely but the good news is that the 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 treatment's the same so it doesn't really matter.
1: Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same treatment.
0: So so have you had treatment for your emetophobia?
1: Yeah so in college it started to get really bad so i'm about i want to say 17 or i want to say i'm 18 years old at this point
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it just this is when it just snowballed into this horrifying thing of oh. i was absolutely terrified of catching a bug um just even being around people at parties mm-hmm. if people got drunk and they were sick I'm right. sick i mean i was terrified so I was, like, having panic attacks every day. I would not go an hour without thinking about vomit. Right. It right. was horrible. So my boyfriend at the time, who I'm still with, he, I mean, i w- he was the first one I kind of expressed this phobia to. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents didn't know. My friends didn't know. No one in my family knew. I was so ashamed
0: Oh, and I'm yeah. sure
1: so many people listening who have a metaphobia can relate. It's yeah, you feel so ashamed, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know why I was so ashamed, but mm-hmm. um, so I had explained it to him, and he was like, "You really need to first of all tell your parents, second of all, go see someone about this." Like, you it's, yeah. it's stability. Like, it was horrible. So, I first expressed it to my parents. And then mm-hmm. a month later I started seeking treatment. So I've been going to therapy for two years now and it's helped tremendously. Oh, that's good. I, I got,
0: can, can I can I just back you up one sec and ask what it was like to tell your parents when you hadn't oh, told your
1: parents? Oh my god. So actually it's a funny not really funny story, but one day my sister <laughs> had come out had come home from a night of drinking. Mm -hmm. And I felt like something was off because she was in her room with the lights off till like noon. So I go in her room and I see a plastic bag on the floor and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. I shut her door. I text my boyfriend. I'm like, I need to come over. I'm freaking out. My sister's sick. What if I catch something? Uh I run to his house. I'm having like a full-blown panic attack. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like It was this was definitely my lowest point. He was like, Kayla, you need to you need to tell your parents. Like they have to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It was taking over my life at this point. Like you can't even He was like, you can't even be home.
0: Right. So, right. Yeah.
1: I spent a couple hours at his house. I was I calmed down and then mm-hmm. I go home. I drive home I'm in tears. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I was like so terrified to tell them.
0: All and right. then
1: I walk. I walk into my house and they see I'm a mess, right? Yeah. So I tell them, and you know, it's like they're there for me, and they s- they say like, you know, Kayla, like it's just it's just being sick. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, oh, don't say uh-huh. that to me. Yeah. <laughs> but they were they were very yeah. supportive nonetheless, and they were like, we're here for you, whatever you need. And it really mm-hmm. wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Telling them, I just thought that they wouldn't understand, but they did. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it, nothing is ever as bad as we think it'll be, is it? Never. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what we're thinking. I, you know, a lot of, I mean, this week, I think a lot of our attention all over the world's on Ukraine. Hmm. And uh, I saw something on Facebook this morning that, um, I don't know, it was about some, some first world problem. And th- not that Ukraine is also first world, but... Anyway, it was just some problem. It said, at least you're not in a subway uh, underground holding on to your cat. And I thought, yeah, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. Or your children, you know, hanging on to your children. So um, so there's that. But that doesn't really fix anything for us thinking somebody else is worse off, right? Um but there are things that are as bad as, as you think. And I, I would say that the Ukrainians would know that best. But for us, even throwing up isn't as bad as you think. I mean, it's nowhere near as bad as we think because we think it's a huge catastrophe, like the biggest disaster, like some kind of mass murder event or something, you know, uh, that's the feeling you get, like there's doom and there's terror and, and there's all that emotion that it's going to be so awful. And and most people think it's nothing. They just don't like it. You know, just like your parents say, oh, it's just getting sick. Right.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, to think about why we are so ashamed. Uh, I think my shame was so, so overwhelming that I wanted to tell my mother and I couldn't, I couldn't even get the words out. That's like exactly just, what it was. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't that, yeah. It, it's it's amazing how powerful shame can be. And um, I mean, it, it kind of makes me, it helps me to identify with um, gay people or transgender people that are in the closet and are terrified to come out and to tell people. And it's not just a logical being afraid. it It's actually a... Um, I'm pointing to myself on a podcast, (laughs) but it's like a feeling inside shame. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't know why. I don't know why we're ashamed because it's really nothing to be ashamed. Well, some people belittle it, I guess, right? Like some people might, like kids might make fun of you if they knew another kid was like that or.
1: I think it's, it's also because no one ever really talks about this type of phobia. So it's like, it's almost as if no one has it when so many people have it. Right. That's a
0: good point. Excellent point. Yeah. It's never gets, it never gets talked about. It's never on the news. You don't, in the UK, they have like celebrities that they talk about that have emetophobia. I just saw, I have a Google Alert for Metaphobia to see what people are saying out there. And there's a fella in the UK. I wish I knew his name now. Those of you listening in the UK are going to be like, oh, but it's a soap opera that he's been on for years and years and years. And he um, got caught for speeding the second time, excessive speeding, like going, I don't know, 70 miles an hour in a 50 zone or something like that. And he got he went to court and he said that he has to drive his grandparents around. So they reduced his sentence to two months without a license, not a sentence. He would, he didn't go to jail. He just lost his license. But, but in the headline was about him having a metaphobia. And they mentioned it in the article as well, even though it was unrelated to really the story about him. It was just like something about him. So-and-so who has a <laughs> Um, Yeah. Those of you listening, you can, Uh, in the UK who know who the guy is, send me a a message on Facebook and I will put it in the notes. So, um, anyway, yes, it's not talked about. I, I watch medical shows all the time. I'm addicted to them. Grey's Anatomy. There's a great Canadian one now called Transplant. I love that show. Um, the resident and all that they never have anybody with a metaphobia you know they have all kinds of other even mental illnesses that they're trying to raise awareness of so mm-hmm. Shonda Rhimes, if you're listening, (laughs) 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 write it into a Grey's Anatomy. Um, It would make a good, you know, people not being able to figure out what's wrong with somebody either. Anyway, yeah. So I I wanted to ask one clarification question. It when you went to college, did you did you live at home still? Like you're in Montreal, so did you go to um, McGill or?
1: Uh, Well, college. Well, university is. Yeah, McGill. It's McGill University. Yeah. but I was at John Abbott College. Oh, you were at an actual
0: college. Yeah. Yes, American. Yeah. I'm so used to Americans. They call universities colleges. Yeah, and, it's, it's and they it's call different colleges, here. colleges colleges. Yeah, and I'm like, how do you know a person didn't go to a community college? Oh, well, anyway, yeah. So you stayed at home. Was my point. You weren't in a dorm mm-hmm. where I people st- are no. drunk and you know. Yeah, I no. stayed at mm-hmm.
1: home and basically when it was really bad, I would go to school. It wasn't as, it wasn't so bad where I would not go to school and not go to work or anything like that. I would do what I had to do, but I wouldn't do anything more. I would go, I would not go out or try to avoid going out. I would go to school, come home, go to work, come home. And that was it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And when your sister was like, drunk or hung over you you would still would it still be that you were afraid you would catch something or does just vomiting in general did that just scare you in general
1: at that point it was vomiting in general I was okay. terrified um yeah. but now I'm more scared if it's like a bug that I can catch
0: okay yeah. So yeah. you can kind of put up with it a bit or you can tolerate it if it's not something you can catch. So y- yeah. Um, before I ask you about your treatment, which, which I will in a second, um, I want to talk a little bit about the expired food because there's going to be a whole bunch of people listening. We're getting about a thousand listeners per episode now and they're going to be like, see, yeah, that's why I don't Eat anything that's expired, or um, I just want to say I'm trying to get a food safe person on. I, I've contacted <laughs> a couple people, but if anybody knows of someone, uh, I think in Canada because I understand it better, who has a food safe um, uh, is a teacher of food safe. Then yeah, contact me. But I think it de- it depends what kind of food it is, right? Like there's stuff that you should definitely not eat expired, like say ham, you know, something like that. Meat. Um, for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff that like if I if my milk we buy milk by the gallon, if it has never been open and it is expired, I would not open it even. Like I would open it to throw it out, but I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't but but when it gets close to the expiry date, you know, the I mil- you just smell milk actually. Yeah. If, if it's okay, if it smells okay, it's fine. Um, yogurt can be okay. It, it just isn't as fresh. I've eaten it way past the expiry date. Really?
1: Oh, my goodness. Way
0: past. Like, <laughs> I, on purpose, I've eaten it. Way, I just eat plain yogurt or sometimes vanilla, but Greek yogurt or whatever, but I've purposely done it for the sake of the emetophobics who are always talking about yogurt, you know? And so I was eating, I ate this yogurt one time that was about a month past Mm. the expiry date. It was a little thing and I opened it and I smelled it. It didn't have any mold, which yogurt only molds. Like if it goes bad, it molds Um, because it's already got bacteria in it. So, and I took a spoonful and I, I said to myself, Oh, that you know, it's okay. It's all right. Um, and it was a good size spoonful too. But then I realized, yeah, no, it just kind of tastes like not really right, like mm. not fresh at all, whatever. So I didn't eat the rest, but I was fine. Nothing happened to me. Nothing happens from a spoonful of yogurt. But um, yeah, what kinds of things are you
1: now like? Now it's Nowhere near as bad as it used to be. Okay, that's I, good. Yeah. I will never check expiry dates anymore. Oh, that Good for yeah. you. Good for you. That's back good. when I was 10 to 15, yeah. it was, I mean, and when I say everything, I mean everything. It right. was granola, it was cereal, bread, oh, everything. Wow. Yeah. A bag of chips or A bag of they chips. put, yeah, yeah which everything.
0: In the UK, that's crisps for you that are listening. Um, but I, I couldn't believe when they started because I'm 63, right? You're 21, but I, um, and and I remember when they started putting expiry dates on chips and Doritos and things like that, and I I thought, oh, this is just a way for them to make more money, you know? But to because they th- because it used to be chips. You, I'm who knew how long they were in a little old country store or something. Sometimes they weren't that fresh i suppose but nothing will happen to you folks if you're listening if you eat an expired potato chip <laughs> like nothing it's a dry food you know it's even bread that some folks put on um, facebook pictures of bread they ate a, they ate some bread and or a bagel and then they saw a little dot of mold on it and they freak out but you don't need to freak out that. you can eat mold it won't hurt you <laughs> you know, it's, it's other stuff. Like you don't want to, you don't want to make like a custard and leave it out on the counter for too long or something like that, that can really make you sick. Um, But uh, yeah, anyway, we'll, I'm glad that you went through some treatment and, and can now not obsessively check the expiry dates of things so okay so tell us tell us about the treatment how did you find someone first of all
1: so I was so lucky I was very Mm -hmm. lucky I was just looking up on Google a therapist psychologist in my area and I found one she specialized in anxiety disorders okay
0: Mm -hmm. I
1: called her up right away and I was, like, so, so nervous. I was so ashamed mm-hmm. and nervous, mm-hmm. but I did it. And I remember my first session, it was February 3rd. I, I'll remember that date forever just because uh-huh. therapy did change my life for sure. Wow. Um, So I walk into her office. I didn't even – I sat on the couch. I didn't even say a word, and I just started bawling. Oh. I was just – I was just so ashamed. I was, I was at, this was probably like the lowest point of my life I would say mm-hmm. up until now. And so I cried. I think I cried twice during my first session. Um, and then wow. she got to know me. Um, I kind of explained my whole journey to her every session. Like we got deeper and deeper and just by even, Explaining to her what I went through, I even got to understand myself more just through saying these things out just loud.
0: Saying it out loud, yeah, yeah. right? Uh huh.
1: I became very self aware and just started to, yeah, understand who I am as a person, understand where my phobia really came from, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we did some CBT at first, and then I want to say a couple months in, um, She actually pulled up your website. (laughs) Okay. And then we started doing exposure. So we started with the words. Mm -hmm. She would say the words. And then we started with the paragraphs. And those really freaked me out at first, I have to say. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those are just for people listening. um, I have some sentences with the word vomit in them, like four. And then four paragraphs, which are four different scenarios that I made up. I um, mean, because I know how, uh, what the kinds of things are that people are afraid of. But they're just little scenarios, a little story, little one paragraph story. Yeah.
1: And yeah. so they freaked you out. Okay. Oh, freaked me out. I remember after that session, I like the, whole, the rest of the week, I kept replaying the stories in my head and replaying oh, the scenarios. Cool. And so I told her the next session, I said, those stories, those scenarios really freaked me out. So mm-hmm. she's like, okay, let's start back at the words. Okay. So we mm-hmm. started back at the words, reread the sentences, reread the scenarios, and then by next month, I was fine with those scenarios. I could read them out okay. loud any day now.
0: Okay. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I just want to in- intercept that because um, we have a number of therapists that listen to this podcast. Um, I'm actually thinking of moving those, even the sentences, definitely the paragraphs to another level because they're level two. And level three in the exposure are these silly cartoons, like of a cat, a dog, and, and another one of a cat. And uh, they're just, it's almost like they don't really bother anyone. So what I do with my clients is if they can't read the paragraphs or the paragraphs are going to bother them, I I go to level three and even four sometimes, bef- and then go back to the paragraphs so I really feel like I should move them because they do scare people. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you um, haven't been thinking about that. So I kind of interrupted you. Do you, ha- do no, you no, have no. your train, train
1: of thought? Yeah. So then, I mean, it was kind of hard because I started doing exposures. Um, I mean, just going to the mall was like mm-hmm. difficult for me. Right. So, and then COVID hit. So I couldn't really do the oh, exposure she was giving me. Right. And COVID was kind of like a safety net for me, you know, as I'm sure Mm -hmm. listeners can uh, relate. I was stuck in my house all day. No one was leaving. It was like my my dream come true. It was the
0: avoidance (laughs) bliss of a metaphobic. (laughs) And then now there's this huge crash and I have like, I had to close my wait list. And I had, I mean, people are now, yeah, because what's the worst thing for a phobia? Avoidance. It's the thing that causes it in the first place. And, oh, man, does it feel good at the time, though. It feels yeah. good. At the, and it feels so good that your brain goes, yeah, I'm having more of this. You know, uh, I'm going to yeah. make you scared to go out. Now you're terrified. So,
1: yeah. So during COVID, I couldn't do the exposure she was giving mm-hmm. me. Um, but we kept doing uh, this stuff on your website. So I've right. gone up to pictures, uh, videos with no sound, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. and then so during these 10 years I had not gotten sick once right right um and then there was an incident 10 years later and I got sick and you know what it was not that bad <laughs> not that bad is it I know right yeah
0: uh that's exactly what I thought the first time it's, I threw up.
1: Yep. It's, I was like, you know what? It's the anticipation is bad. Knowing it's coming, it's going to happen is bad. But yeah. after you're like, is that what I've been scared of for 10 years? <laughs> is that right. what I've been trying to avoid? Yeah. Yeah. And, so, uh, and I've
0: been, do- and I've wasted like time and I've avoided things I could have enjoyed. And yeah. man, what
1: was I thinking? Yes, exactly. So, exactly. And um, ever since I got sick, it's been a couple months, I want to say. Honestly, my phobia has not been nearly as bad. That's good. As yeah. it was. I find that people
0: who've been through therapy and then they throw up for some reason, then it's like it just goes click, 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 click in your brain. Like it all, it all just, you know, arranges itself in the right order. Sometimes people randomly have something happen and they, and they vomit like right at the beginning of, um, treatment or whatever and that's not helpful but it once you once you can kind of put it in a context Mm -hmm. of what you've been trying to do um with exposure it's yeah that's that's the best case scenario so
1: and I think it's because it wasn't what I was trying to avoid for for all these years was food poisoning or catching a bug or getting drunk and I didn't get sick for any of those reasons. So I was thinking to myself, I've been doing all these things, and it still happened.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had somebody that um, had done everything on earth to avoid, like, every safety behavior. She had um, on Dancetron, which is Zofran in the States, all this stuff. Pepto-Bismol and ginger and like everything. And then she got appendicitis and, (laughs) and it was like, and threw up like, because appendicitis doesn't care what drug you took, you know, Uh, you have pretty well, if you go to the hospital, they give you a whole cocktail in an IV, but um, yeah. And that, and that just, you know, really that drove her into getting help actually, because it was a, kind of traumatic experience for Mm. her without ever having got any help of any kind. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we can't really avoid vomiting. We just think we do. We think we avoid it. So, good. Well, Kayla, you have been a delightful guest and um, I wish you, uh, you're still so young. Have you finished college now?
1: I'm in university now.
0: Oh, so, what are you? What are you studying in university?
1: Psychology, actually. Oh, are you going to
0: become a therapist? or Are you just kind of interested in psychology?
1: I don't know what I want to do yet. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a psychology
0: degree could be helpful in a lot of areas. You know, a lot of people go into law. Um, you can go into medicine, um, or or many, many other things, Uh, communications, marketing, you know, it's helpful for just about anything. So thank you for um, coming today. And I'm sure that you will have helped a lot of people with your story. So thank Mm. you very much. And thank you to all of you who are listening and subscribing each week. Uh, There are costs associated with producing this podcast. If you find it helpful, you can buy me a coffee. Just scroll down to the bottom of the notes and you'll see support the show there. And you can click and buy me a coffee for a couple of bucks, a couple of pounds. For information for uh, therapists or those of you who are interested in further information, you can go to my website at emetophobiahelp.org. And if you are in recovery and would like to talk to other people about recovery, you can go to um, the Facebook page, a group I should say, that I have formed called Emetophobia No Panic. So you can go ahead um, and look on Facebook for that. We'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye.